I don't have a full-on study today, just a devotional thought. Over the last couple of years, you might have been reprioritizing your life. Is this a job I really want to have? Is this really what I want for my kids? Is this really, is it really all about the money? Is it worth the risk going out and getting sick just because I want a little extra, you know? We ask ourselves a lot of questions. Is it worth it? Sometimes we would pray to God and we'd ask Him, God, what is it? What is it that you want? Sometimes we ask, what is it you want for me? But instead of asking only, what is it you want for me? I think the first question we need to ask is, God, what do you want? You know that verse that says, seek first the kingdom of God and what God wants. And everything's going to be added unto you. All the things that you worry about, God takes care of. This is not a prosperity message. This is one of trust and faith and hope. That God is true to His promises. When you pray to God, your provider, ask Him first, God, Father, God, what do you want? So simple. Have you ever started a prayer like that? You know? God, how can I please you today? God, what makes you happy? God, what do you want to see happen? God, I know you're in control, but this looks kind of crazy, so maybe I don't trust you too much right now. What is it you want? Why did you let us go through COVID? Why are we still going through it? Why did we have to lose people? Why did we have to lose our job? Why did we have to feel isolated and shackled? God, what do you want? Same question, different tone. If we're going to try answering any of these questions, I think it's very important. If you're asking God what he wants, how can we find out what he wants? Listen. Shema simply means listen, heed. But it's not just hearing. It's hearing and doing. There's an element of faith in this Shema. When you hear from God and you know it's good, then you can trust it. So when God says, you know what? I want you to love your enemy. What? Why? Well, because that's what God wants. Okay, well, I heard you say that, God. I heard you, but there's no way I'm doing that. I cannot love my enemy. But God, what do you want? It's like, I already told you, my child, go love that person that you just... <laughs> love them. Shema. I want you to remember this word. It's a Hebrew word, Shema. Okay? Listen, heed, hear and do. We started the service today with part of a very common Jewish prayer, right? But in Scripture, this is where it comes from. This Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 5. The Shema Israel, right? Hear Israel, Yehovah our God, that's his name. Yehovah is one. And you are to love Jehovah your God with all your heart 
and with all your being and with all your strength. So what does God want? He wants you to love Him. God, what do you want? I'm so angry with you right now. You're not giving me anything I want. Wow, wow, wow. I'm a spoiled kid going to my dad complaining. And I'm asking him, what do you want? What, what do I have to do? This isn't listening when we treat him without that love, without that respect. First thing, he wants us to love him. Yeshua, Jesus Christ, his name, by the way, is Yeshua, Hebrew, okay? He was a Jew. And that's why you might have noticed some of the songs we changed his name back to his, his Hebrew name. If you have a Filipino name and you came to Canada and we gave you an English name, it's kind of nice to still be known by your Filipino name, isn't it? Okay, yeah. You know, my name's not my name's not Tom, it's Tim. So if I tell you my name's Tom and you decide, well, I want to call you Tim. Uh, I'm my name's Tim. And you decide you want to call me Tom. And I'm like, but my name is Tim. And you're like, that's okay, I want to call you Tom. That's not my name. That's kind of how I feel personally about Yeshua. Alright, and it, it feels weird saying his name when you're not used to it. But guess what? Get to learn people's right name. It's a sign of respect, it's a sign of love and honor as well. Okay? So Yeshua, when he was asked by the Pharisees and Sadducees, he says, Rabbi, which of the commands in the law is the most important? And Yeshua replied, You are to love Yehovah your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is the greatest and most important mitzvah command. The second is similar to it. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. All the Torah and the prophets are dependent upon these two commands. Love God, love others. Friends, what does God want? Again, what does God want? How easy is that? I mean, it's simple. We heard him say it. Right? Yehovah, he gave it to us in his commands in the Old Testament. Yeshua reiterated the very same command. And he says, listen, love God, love others. So what does God want? Love God, love others. Friends, I have a question for you. How are you in your relationship with God? Do you love him? Or are you still treating him like Santa Claus or the genie? Giving you all the wishes. You know? Or the rich daddy. The rich daddy that could just give you some handouts when you need it. Do you love him? Is there anybody in your life? <laughs> is there another person that you need to love? That you know that you're not? Do you have an enemy, a family member, maybe it's your spouse? Maybe your friend that you smile with when you go for coffee, but then behind their back, it's not love. Are we loving others? So, if Yeshua says, this is the greatest command, and the second one is just like it, love God, love others, are we following God's commands? 
Are we following what God wants? Let's just start there today. I think we really need to take some quiet time this week. Maybe every morning when you wake up, just set your alarm clock five, ten minutes earlier. Okay? You can't figure out how you're going to love God. You can't figure out how you're going to love other people. You need to listen to how God's leading you to love Him. You need to listen to how God's leading you to love others. Maybe in your quiet time, He's going to bring somebody to your mind. And you're like, I've never thought of this person before. Why am I thinking of this person now? Don't overthink it. Just pray for that person. Start with that. One of the most loving things that we could do for one another's brothers and sisters is to pray for one another. Because you never know. You never know what people are going through. And they may never bring it up to you. Why should they if they don't know you love them? People are lonely and people are walking quietly behind their mask, murmuring things to themselves and nobody knows. And over the past couple of years, suicide has been a thing. It's touched our community as well. And we don't know how that touches the lives of the people around us. How do we love God? How do we love that person? Who lost somebody? How do we love somebody who's grieving? It makes me uncomfortable, so maybe I should just stay away. I'm not good with that. God, how do I love this person that needs your love? Here's a little news flash, friends. We can't love anybody unless we receive the love of God first. Okay? If you don't know what that relationship with God is like, ask Him in your 10 minutes in the morning. God, was it, what does it mean to love you? God, how do I grow in this relationship with you? God, I'm trusting you to lead me and guide me because I can't do this on my own. Anything I come up with, it's not going to be what you want. So very quickly, we're talking about command. And a lot of the time when you hear, well, what has God commanded? Most of the time, most Christians today, they're just like, well, you know, I follow the Ten Commandments. Who's heard of the Ten Commandments? Show of hands. You, you've heard of the Ten Commandments? Yeah? Okay, and that's found in Exodus 20. And a lot of the time, we're convinced, okay, well, the Ten Commandments, it's just there, it's, a, it's just to help us with moral principles. It's just, just a moral law. It's just some sort of guide. Friends, I want to teach you something, just a little teach you. I want to share with you something that was taught to me over these past couple of years. The Ten Commandments are not actually commandments. What? I thought that was God's law. I thought His law was His commands. No, the Ten Commandments is not a bunch of commandments and a bunch of rules. It's not just moral principles. This was God's covenant. These were like the terms of his covenant where he's identifying who he is with the people that he's made a promise to, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel that he led out of Egypt. He's making a covenant with them because they just came out from Egypt. They were newborn, and this is like him pronouncing something over their life, and he's like, listen, I'm going to be with you, but check this out. Does anybody know what the first commandment is?
Tech Brandons. I don't know what they are. But. Let's go back to what happened before 
they came out of Egypt. Okay? You can follow along in your Bible if you have one on your phone. We're looking at Exodus chapter 3. I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible. I've been studying from this one. Okay? And we're looking at verse 13 to 15. Moshe said to God, Moses, Moses said to God, Look, when I appear before the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What's his name? What am I to tell them? God told, said to Moshe, Aa Asher Aa, I am what I am. I will be what I will be. And he added, Here is what you say to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God said further to Moshe, Say this to the people of Israel, Yud-Heh-Vav-Heh. Those are Hebrew letters again. Yud-Heh-Vav-Heh. Adonai, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered generation after generation. So God had just revealed himself to Moshe in the burning bush. Do you remember that story? Right? And then he presents himself, listen, this is my name. This is who I am. I am who I am. My name is Yudhevavhei. They're like, what? You name like he spelled it out for them. We're going to study more on the name of God later. Yudhevavhei, if you've seen the symbol before, it's known as a tetragrammaton. Okay? It's symbols that show God's name and is transliterated into our English alphabet as Yudhavah, Y-H-W-H, or Y-H-V-H. Now you might have noticed that I've been calling him Yehoveh. Sometimes his name's been pronounced as Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah, Yahovah. So many different names, Yahuwah is another one. For me, I've been convicted personally for myself and how I address him because nobody knows how to pronounce it. But he gave us Yudhe Bavhe. Therefore, I call him Yehoveh. Okay? Because I want to acknowledge who he is. When you read through scripture, we don't see his name much at all. We just see God. 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 God is not his name. It's a title. The two years, you could acknowledge him, but his name was replaced with Lord in capital letters, L-O-R-D. Have you seen that in your Bible? In the Old Testament, Lord, L-O-R-D. Who are they talking about? Lord, well, maybe it's Jesus. No, I don't know. Those letters replaced Yudhe replaced seeing God's proper name in Scripture, in His words to us. Next time when you read through your Bible and you see the word Lord in the Old Testament in capital letters, try reading it out loud and saying God's name on your lips. It's not just an exercise, guys. It's so real. And it's so true. When you step deeper into a relationship with God that you care enough, that you're like, okay, forgive me for how I've addressed you before. Your name is Jehovah. Your name is Jehovah. Pray to him that way. When you read scripture, say his name. No. So he gave his name to Moshe. 
And he says, go back to the Israelite leaders, and this is what you're going to do. Okay? Verse 16 to 20. Go gather the leaders of Israel together and say to them, gather them together. Because when we're together and we hear the words of God, then we know together, collectively, there are witnesses. Okay? Gather the leaders of Israel together and say to them, Yehovah, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, has appeared to me and said, I have been paying, this is what he said, I have been paying close attention to you and have seen what is being done to you in Egypt. And I have said that I will lead you up out of the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaan, the Hittite, the Mori, Prisihiri, and Yusiri, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And then Yehovah tells Moshe, they will heed what you say. Then you will come, you and the leaders of Israel before the king of Egypt, and you will tell him, Yehovah, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. This is the first time he's meeting with his people. After like 400 years, right? They were slaves in Egypt, they didn't know. Yehovah, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go three days' journey into the desert so that we can sacrifice to Yehovah our God. And then God says, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you leave unless he's forced to do so, but I will reach out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders that I will do there. After that, he will let you go. So that's the thing. God knew what he was going to do for his people, the Israelites, who were suffering in Egypt. He said, I'm going to free them out of Egypt. So why didn't he instruct Moses and the Israelite leaders to just say, God said that we need to go? Look at verse 18. What did God instruct Moses and the leaders of Israel to do for the king of Egypt? He gave them these words, Jehovah, the God of Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go three days' journey into the desert so that we can sacrifice to Jehovah our God. If God knew that he was already going to free them, why did he make them go to the king with this message? They weren't saying, it's time for us to leave. They were saying, let us go for three days. Let's take a vacation out in the wilderness. Give us a break so that we can just spend time with our God. This is the first time we met with our God and he wants to meet with us. Let us go. We just want to go three days. That's all that we're asking. No. God already knew that the king of Egypt would say no. He knew that the Egyptian king wouldn't let them leave unless he was forced. So what was he wanting to reveal here to Israel? Pay close attention. This is very relevant to us today. You meet with God and he says, come, spend time with me. You meet with God and he says, listen, I'm calling you, come, spend time with me. Three days is all that they were instructed to ask for. Did the Israelites not realize the oppression that they were under? Did they know that they had a king that didn't respect them and their God? Did they know that they had a ruler that was just keeping them there? Maybe they didn't even know they were slaves. It's all that they knew living in the land of Egypt. 
God saying, come to the desert and be with me. Worship me, sacrifice to me. And then their leader says, no, you're not allowed to go. They're like, but he's our God. And they're like, he's like, well, you're in my land, so you're going to abide by my rules. No, I will not let you go. That's oppression. That's, there's a blindness that overtook the Israelites. They didn't realize that this was their ruler. If they knew that their ruler was like that, they would not have the audacity to go before him and actually ask for three days off. Right? God was sending them up, and he wanted to reveal to the Israelites, my children, this is not where you belong. You are not to be under this ruler. I am the only authority in your life. I'm delivering you from this slavery, from this oppression, from this dark hand that's over your life. Have you ever felt stuck at a job that you just couldn't leave? You, you hated the job, your, your boss was evil, and you're just like, what am I doing here? And you pray to God, God, what do you want? And God says, I want you to love me, I want you to love your enemies. That's not helpful right now, God, I'm stuck in this job. I have a question. When you would end your work day and you leave your job, you're allowed to go back home, right? And then the next day, you go back to work? Huh. Nobody forced you to go back, right? You just kept going back. Why is that? Because it's all that you had? Is it really all that you have? Is that job really all that you have? Because if I don't take this job, if I don't go to work, how am I going to survive? <laughs> well, you were alive before you had that job, yes? God sustained you before you got that job, yes? Is the job everything that you have? Do you love your job more than you love what God has for you? What if God called you and said, this is not where you're meant to be? What if this is the wake-up call? Just like you did with the Israelites. Go to the king and say, can I get three days off? And your boss says, no. But I've been working seven years for you. No. But I even put in extra time. No, you don't get any breaks. Sorry, three days too long. Find another job, he tells you. And you're like, no, I need this job. Hey, hold on. He just released you. Because he doesn't want you. But you still need him. The evil employer. Puts things in perspective a little bit, doesn't it? In the world, we say, oh, but I have to go to work in order to make money so that I can survive. Sure, there's a process, there's a system. But friends, if your job that you go to every day goes bankrupt tomorrow, are you going to be okay? I mean, the money that's coming to pay your paycheck, it's gone. Your job, there's no more position to go back to. And you know what? It happens all the time. So many businesses have gone bankrupt and shut down instantly in the past two years. I've seen some people wither and crumble in despair because that happened. I see other people sit back and reflect and be like, man, I'm finally free after working 30 years. And it was good, but 
Was it worth it? <laughs> Perspective, friends. Is there oppression in your life? Maybe you're in a relationship that's kind of like that, that work relationship. In a romantic relationship with a partner, your partner is oppressive and they're not loving you and they're not walking with you and they're controlling and manipulating everything you do. <laughs> Oppression. Instead of trying to fix your problems, instead of trying to escape from your situation, guess what? Worship God first. Whatever's holding you back, if your spouse is not letting you Go worship God and pray to God. Don't worry about what's going on immediately around you. Pray to God first. And it's not just talking to Him. It's also Shema. It's listening and doing what He says. Love your neighbor. Not just the ones that you can benefit from. Not only the ones that you could help so that you feel better about yourself. No. Love everybody that comes in contact with you. You have a difference of opinion, different political standing, different cultural things, you know? Love them. How am I supposed to do that? Well, you know what? God helps you do that. You have to learn how to let God love you first. How, do you, how does that happen? Worship Him first. He's holy, he's set apart, he's above anything that this world is. Anything this world has to offer is so much better. Just spend time with him. It sounds too simple, right? Look at the second word in the ten words of Yehovah. If you were to have no other gods before me, that job, that relationship, whatever it is you're putting your priority over God has become your God. You bow down and worship it by giving all your time, all your attention, all your worry, even your mind space. When you go to home, when you go home at night and you can't sleep because you're worried about what's going on with your work, you've allowed that work to take place of where your thoughts should be focused on God. First and foremost, when we clutter our brain with things of this world, there's less space for us to know God. But when we know God first, and we love Him with all that we are, everything that we go out to in the world, guess what? He enables you to be able to face whatever comes your way. No matter how bad the situation might seem, because your trust isn't in the job, it's not in another person, it's in God. If you don't know what that looks like yet, friends, spend those 10 minutes in the morning. Lord, help me trust you more. Help me hear your voice. Help me love you. I don't know what that's like, but just help me. I receive your love. That's a hard one. If the only prayer that you say to God today, you say, Father God, Yehovah, I receive your love. Say it in your heart right now. You don't have to say it out loud. But when you get to a quiet place, I want you to hear those words come off your mouth. Yehovah God, 
I receive your love. Let him teach you when you do that. Let him show you what his love looks like. There will be healing. We sing about power in the name. This is how we overcome. There's no other name like his. It's true. Look at verse 5. You are not to bow down to them or serve them, for I, Jehovah your God, am a jealous, jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but displaying grace to the thousandth generation of those who love me and obey my commands. Who love me and obey my commands. I ask you again, what does God want? We said to love God, to love others. And that's so easy, right? It's almost become a, a textbook Christian cliche. Love God, love others. Yes, that sounds good. Love God, obey my commands. Woo! <laughs> well, what has he commanded? Hey. Shema, pick up the scriptures. <laughs> All right? He spoke these words to his prophets. He inspired them to write, to reveal to us his heart. If you want to step into a relationship with someone, you want to know what they're interested in, right? I see my nephews. And when there's a girl that they're kind of interested in. Yo, dude, check out her Instagram. <laughs> They go the mile, I tell you. See what she's into. See what see what she cares about. And then you see <laughs> They're teenagers. It's okay. They're teenagers. I'm not don't want to embarrass you guys too much. Just, just an example. But you notice after two years they come back to Praise Gabby, they're all dressed up nice, you know, they're all looking sharp. You know, they care about how they look and Go the extra mile to find out what God is interested in. Learn what he loves and learn what he hates. All right? When we love God and we want to be in a relationship with him, sure, there might be conflict with you and God, but guess what? It's nothing that you can't work out with him. He's a loving God. He cares about you. He cares about what you care about, but you care about what he cares about. Let's not be in a one-sided relationship with God. We want to walk hand in hand, step by step, with him every day. Alright, so it's not all about you. First of all, it's not all about you. If anything, I look at God's word, guess what? It's all about him. I am the Lord your God who took you out of slavery. That's his first word, his declaration. Don't worry about that first commandment that you think it is. It's all about him. So what does God want? He wants you to know him. For who he is, for who he says he is. And then he wants you, he wants you to get to know yourself by the way that he sees you. You think you know yourself. God knows you better. He knows all the secrets in your heart. He knows you better than you know yourself. And if you can learn to trust him, when you can't trust yourself, guess what? It's a safe place to fall. And he'll remind you who he says you are. Because he created you in his image. Amen?
there's a song that we started learning at home this week. And it was taken from this, this passage here. If you know Joshua, so we, we've talked about before they left Egypt, and God's like, worship me for three days. No, right? And then, let my people go. Eventually, he lets them go. And then we get the ten words that um, God gave to Moshe. And then after Moshe was gone, there, there was Joshua. He was the next leader for the Israelites. He was one of the spies that, when they were supposed to go in the land of Canaan, and they saw there were giants, and God said, no, go in, take that land. He went in, and he's like, if we step in here, we bring our people, this is our land. Canaan becomes our land the minute we step foot in it. Let's go! But the other spies said, no, there are giants there. But God said, we need to go and step in there. And they're like, no, no, we're scared of what's in that land. So then they end up in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 more years. Because they didn't obey what God told them to do. The minute you step foot in that land, it becomes your land forever, the promised land. Joshua and Caleb were the two spies out of the tent that said, listen, it's time for us to go. We get to go in. We're going to take this land. And everybody else said, no, there are giants in there. We're not going. Maybe you are someone that truly wants to follow God. Maybe you are somebody that heard from God, you read through scripture, you know what he wants, and you want to obey him, but all your other friends are like, dude, that's kind of weird. Why do you worship God like that? No. Why do you say Yehovah? Why do you say Yeshua? No. I'm going to stick with Jesus because I'm comfortable with that. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to go about the way everybody was comfortable in Egypt. When they were out of the wilderness, where did they want to go back? To Egypt, because they thought that was better than where God was leading them. Sometimes God leaves us in a waiting period, friends. And in that waiting period, He's growing your faith in Him so you can learn to trust Him. You wonder, why haven't I arrived in this better place, this abundant life? Are you trusting Him? Are you loving Him? Are you listening to Him? Know that He's still got something to teach you. I got six kids at home. <laughs> My wife and I. <laughs> there are six. It's weird saying it. I know I know it every day because they're mine and there's six of them. But to say it here is really weird. I don't declare that often, but I did here. Six kids at home. And my eldest, he's what, turning 12 this year? And he's been learning a lot of lessons along the way. But he still has so many more lessons he has to learn before I could trust him with more. Okay? I love him with all my heart, but I'm still teaching him how to love me better and how to love his siblings better. That's kind of what it's like. We're a family with God. We call him Father God, and we are his children. And we need to learn from our Father so we go to our Father not as spoiled kids. My little, um, how old is she? Four? My four-year-old and my two-year-old. They sleep in my bed with me, right? I'm, they sleep in my bed with me. I don't have a bed anymore. And every morning, they wake me up because I'm so tired. But they wake me up. 
I want cereal. Let's go upstairs. Let's wake up the baby. And I don't want to sleep. And they're commanding me what they want. They're all I spend my first 10 minutes of the day. I don't have my 10 minutes with God in the morning. I have 10 minutes with the kids. Daddy, I want this. Daddy, I want that. Daddy, get up. My youngest one, my, my two-year-old, he's learned a trick. He says, Daddy, coffee. <laughs> I kid you not, he actually does it. He knows what makes me tick, see? And when he says that, it makes me laugh, it makes me smile. I'm like, my kid knows what I like. My kid cares about what I like. We go upstairs and before they eat, we're like, okay guys, let's talk to Yahweh. Let's thank you for our food. And it's a simple prayer. For this food we're about to receive, Yahweh make us truly grateful. That's it. And I forget sometimes because I'm so sleepy. And my kids, my four-year-old says, Daddy, um, we have to pray first. I'm teaching them. And they're learning. And it's not perfect. And they got a long way to go. Guys, as children of God, we're not perfect. We don't have all the answers. We, we barely know half of what He wants us to know. But He has, you have your whole life ahead of you. And He's going to teach you lessons all the time. My friends, what does God want? Let's just leave it at He wants you to love Him. And there's no one like our God. So Joshua goes out and he says, listen, you Israelites, you are starting to go back to worship the gods in Egypt the way that you remember, the way you were comfortable. And he presents them with this. Therefore, fear Jehovah and serve him truly and sincerely. Put away the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve Jehovah. If it seems bad to you to serve Jehovah, then choose today whom you are going to serve. Will it be the gods your ancestors served beyond the river or the gods of the Amori? whose land you are living? As for me and my household, we will serve Jehovah. Here's a song I'd like you to sing with me. And this is our commitment song. Let's just point it out how God is holy, how he's set apart, how there's no one like him, how we should have no other gods before him. No other gods that we bow down to, only Him. Serve Him first so you could serve your partner better. Serve Him first so you could be a better employee at your job. Serve Him first so you could be a neighbor that knows how to love their neighbor better. Okay? But it starts with Him. The most important command, love Him first. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's stand and we'll do this together. Let's stand and worship the God. And as we sing, I know it's been a couple of years, right? But even our posture, our physical posture, sometimes it's nice to stand like this. Sometimes we're just like,
before we sing this, in your heart, in your spirit, I want you to pray to God. Say, Yehovah, I receive your love today. Father God, we want to serve you. We want to love you. Show us your way, oh God.